you know, it, it's bizarre to me. So uh, Canuck fans today are all like, well, we lost Tanev, we lost Stetcher, we lost Toffoli, we lost Markstrom, and, and that's it. We're, we're done, we give up, we should fire the general manager. So this, he, this week, um, Jim Benning tried to keep Markstrom, worked with Markstrom right till deadline day and said, oh, we, we just can't work out a deal. Um, all reports show he was working with Tanev. The assumption being that somehow, well, Tanev would have signed to stay in Vancouver for exactly what he made in Calgary. We we don't know. We can assume, I guess. Um, they didn't make an offer to Stetcher. Uh, I, I, I guess they didn't see Stetcher as a fit going forward. And I know fans loved him and he was great. But, you know, again, Vancouver must have been looking to do some kind of a, make some kind of a change on the blue line. Day one of, of free agency, uh, Holtby signed by the Canucks. Now, it's easy to get enamored with, with everything that Markstrom did because Markstrom was absolutely fan-flippantastic this year and last year. He was. And, and I'm sad that Markstrom's gone too. But Holtby does have a Vesna trophy to his name. He, he does have a Stanley Cup. And it's important to add those guys in adding Nate Schmidt today, the Canucks have added a defenseman that's coming out of an organization that went to the Stanley Cup in his first year there, lost in the finals to Holtby's team of all teams. They're adding players who've done, who've done this, who've done the the long term, long runs in the playoffs. That's important, you know. Going into the series against Minnesota back when they came out of the the, the reboot, I kept hearing about well. Vancouver doesn't have the experience. You know, Minnesota's the more experienced team. And I kept hearing about, well, Vancouver's bottom six isn't good enough. And then the bottom six was part of the reason why they knocked out Minnesota in four. It was part of the reason they won that. So I, I think for all the criticism that Benning gets, and I've, I've been willing to criticize him. That's the thing. When the channel first started out, when the channel first started out, I was absolutely... Uh, very anti-Benning. And I remember, you know, four years ago at the start of all this, I was really ticked off. It was the McCann trade that I said, nope, this is a horrible deal. I can't believe this trade got made. But over the last four years and watching the Canucks and then you watch these deals, and I think part of watching all 31 teams and watching what these players do when they go to other teams and going, oh, guys, we lost. It didn't really work out for them either. So... All right, and I know McCann is is still you know third line player for Pittsburgh, but he hasn't reached the levels that I think were envisioned to him envisioned for him when he was drafted. I don't think he's quite reached that level. So for for Vancouver, you can chalk that up as a loss, and I know people want to because there there is a portion of the fan base. I'm not sure why this is. They they want it to fail. Like, all, all I was reading this morning was the Canucks are one of the worst teams in the division now, and I'm thinking, okay, so they're not, but all right, and that's it, we're just screwed, as if, like, there aren't any more moves that can be made, which there are. I still think Vertanen's on the trade block. I think that Vertanen would have more trade value than, say, Stetcher would have if they qualified Stetcher and tried to keep him around. And... You know, it, it's tough because we, we do get emotionally attached to certain players. You you do, and, and we as fans do. 
you get used to certain guys, and then when when the team moves on, it's easy to to get all angry and I can't believe this guy's gone. But if you look at my videos, the guys that I feel that way with are mostly guys from the late '80s or early '90s, guys from the '94 run, and yet. How many of them went on to win Stanley Cups? Like, Courtnell didn't, Ronning didn't, Adams didn't. So, like, yeah, I mean, I was upset at the time. I, what upset me more than anything was that Ronning wanted a million dollars. The Canucks didn't think he was worth it. And then he got a million dollars on day one of free agency from the Coyotes, which left me angry saying, see, he's worth a million dollars. That was before salary cap. And, and to me, it just read that I read it as Cliff Ronning saying he wanted – that level of respect. He felt that he had earned that, and the Canucks saying, no, we're going to look elsewhere, and then trying to replace him. And that, that went back too, to, I remember Brian Bradley, just to age myself even further, Brian Bradley being a guy who, as as much as um, I, I, I liked Brian Bradley at the time, I was upset when the Canucks lost him. And yet it, it didn't bite until later. Like Then he goes to Tampa from Toronto and he became a star player, and I'm like, see, See, that's what he could have done. And then the argument with that was, well, in Vancouver, he wouldn't have got that kind of ice time, which now I understand was true. And and I think that's the big difference between now when I'm watching these moves go down and I'm watching a general manager make moves as compared to, say, when I was, when I was a teenager, when I was in my early 20s. It's easier for me to understand the long game. And the offseason is, is a big part of it. Free agency is this 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 really tricky part of hockey, where we kind of sort of as fans go, okay, well, fix the team now, and we expect there to be some kind of a magic wand to fix it, and there isn't. Um, for instance, with Vegas today, they pick up Alex Petrangelo, good pickup. It means they have to lose Nate Schmidt. That could hurt their chemistry. I'm not saying it will, but it could. Um, there are risks to Petrangelo's contract, to the length, the the uh, the cap hit. Um, you know, has Petrangelo played his best days? Is he going to work out as well in Vegas as he did in St. Louis? Could it take him a while to get used to Vegas? Maybe that first year is a bumpy one. I remember Char's first year in Boston. It was a rough year, and then he he hit his stride in year two. I don't know that Vegas has the, the patience for that, the, whether it's the fan base or the organization. Because the owner came into the league saying we got to win one. Okay, we got to win a Stanley Cup basically right away. Like, it's easy. Like, there won't be 30 other teams trying to stop you from winning a Stanley Cup. It It's created this this air of, okay, we got to put together this all-star team and, and go out and win ourselves a Stanley Cup. And it I think it does hurt their chemistry. I look at their loss in, in the conference finals against Dallas, and I, I think chemistry was a big part of it. I, I know Vegas fans want to blame Peter DeBoer. I, I don't I don't buy that. Gerard Gallant at the time he was fired, it surprised me too. I wasn't happy about it. But honestly, they were a better team under DeBoer. They had a better record. And and I don't know if Gallant had stayed, if they would have been a top team or if they would have got as far as they did in the playoffs. Gallant was the one that stood behind the bench and didn't call any kind of timeout while that five-minute major to San Jose was going on. And, and they just kept allowing goal after goal during that penalty kill. And and I was yelling at the TV then. And and I thought that was the night that, you know, if management said, okay, so Gallant's out of here, that would have been the one to do it after that meltdown in Game 7. 
I wasn't as upset about the penalty that shouldn't have been called as I was about the fact they couldn't kill it. And I'm not even a Vegas fan in that situation. I was just enjoying a good hockey game between two teams. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I know there are Canuck fans that legit say, well, how can you go from Tanev to Schmidt? That's not a huge upgrade. It is, though. And, you know, does Schmidt have challenges at times? Yeah, yeah, he does. But he's going from playing with McNabb to likely playing with Hughes. I saw in the uh, Canucks forum somebody had had Schmidt playing on the second pairing, and I thought, Schmidt's not going to be on the second pairing. There's no way. He's, he's, not, he's going to be on the first pairing. This is the first pairing defenseman for Vancouver. Edler's on his way out after this year. Uh, Myers is not a top pairing defenseman. Uh, you know, his spot in the top four, people may not like it, but I, I don't think, I don't really have a problem with it personally. Uh, as long as he's not taken a million penalties, I don't really have a problem with it. But, you know, for me, the, what the Canucks are doing, it, it's, it's trying to go from just being the second round team to, to actually being a contender. And as a fan, it can be tough because you have to make those difficult decisions. So for Jim Benning, when he's looking at the team that lost against Vegas, that was dragged to Game 7 by Thatcher Demko just putting the team on his back for Games 5 and 6, you're saying, okay, the defense isn't good enough. And that was the word, was that they were looking to revamp the defense. And why not swing for the fences? Like, it's weird to me that people both criticize him for not keeping the same guys that he let go and then they laugh about the fact that Petrangelo wouldn't sign in Vancouver. And, oh, you didn't get this guy, you didn't get this guy. But he tried. So you would rather that he keeps everything exactly the same so that you can criticize him for not trying to swing for the fences and get those big names. I, I just, I don't get it. You know, meanwhile, you've got Columbus, where they cleared out all this cap space. And now they're a Mike Hoffman away from coming out of it with potentially no big names. And they traded off to get all that cap space for potentially, I'm not going to say nobody because Miko Koivu is not nobody, but I don't think they cleared out all that cap space to get Koivu. They were in on Hall. They were in on Petrangelo. They got no's from both of those players. Columbus has John Tortorella, arguably a coach who can get the most out of the least of any t- any, any coach in the league. And yet they're getting no's from players too. And they had a bunch of no's last year after upsetting Tampa in the first round. Um, I, I think that's where it, where it comes into play that I'm, uh, you know, I watch every single game and I watch every single team. So to me, I, I think that it's easy to take it personal when the Canucks lose players, whether it's them not trying to keep guys around or they lose out on free agents. But I, I really don't get the feeling that there's this negative impression of Vancouver. The fact that OEL, whether he meant it or not, said, I will only wave to go to Boston and Vancouver. And on, on some some level, I, I'm, I'm cynical in that I think, so he named those two teams because neither of those teams had the cap space to bring him in, right? But the fact that he would name Vancouver and Boston, I think says a lot for what other players think about what's going on in Vancouver. There's an exciting young core in Vancouver. Players will want to come and join that team. I saw it in the early 90s. I saw it in the mid-2000s. It happens. Players will want to come in and play with that team. 
they will waive no trade clauses, no movement clauses to play with that team. That they wouldn't necessarily waive to go to another one. The Canucks are in a good position. Not getting Hall might be a good thing. At $8 million, I would argue it is a good thing, even if it's only for one year. I would argue that Petrangelo at $8.8 million for seven years, that is that is a pricey contract. And and for Vancouver, I would rather have, honestly, Schmidt at 5.9. Petrangelo is the better defenseman. That's why he's making 8.8. But for the Canucks cap situation, next year they're going to have to move somebody. But it won't be Schmidt. So when I see people saying, oh, they're going to want to buy that contract out in a year or two and he's not very good. I, I don't know what to say to those people. There were no Capitals fans that when that expansion draft happened said, well, Schmidt's a bum, I'm glad we got rid of him. Capitals fans were not happy. Um, I, I don't see any Vegas, well, I don't see very many Vegas fans that are ticked off about um, what's happened here in terms of uh, uh, Schmidt's run with, with Vegas and saying, well, he was a bum anyways, we're not going to miss him. Everybody says he's a great guy, that he was... Um, greatly liked within the locker room and and off the ice and on the ice he's a great guy and his 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 play is really good i i don't know how to describe this and i I don't know what else to say other than he's a very good player and so when i see people on online bringing up world pd ped use uh come on the the amount the amount that they found was so minuscule there's a reason that vegas and and Schmidt both tried to appeal that decision to suspend him for 20 games. Like, I understand the NHL's stance on that. I do. But I don't I, I don't buy for a second that he was trying to take shortcuts. And then that that opens opens things up to this whole discussion of, well, who else? Who else has been using something like that? Um, for instance, the whole COVID thing. There are players who, when they contract this, they're going to be prescribed steroids now they may be different steroids than what you take for enhancement but maybe they'd be maybe it'd be something that the nhl would look at and say hey that's 20 games i'm I'm just saying that you can have different reasons to have things in your system rather than looking for an edge so i schmidt to me doesn't seem like somebody who's looking for that kind of an edge i just i i think it's a good deal i think i think the connects did well today I think that giving up a, a third-round draft pick in 20 years, you know, a player's going to have, what, a 12%, 13% chance of making it to the NHL in all likelihood. I, I think in order to get your top four defense straightened out for this year, I think it's worth it. The Canucks should be in in the we-want-to-win mode right now. The, the tank thing is over. Um, it, it has to be. They have Patterson. They have Horvat. They're solid down the middle with those two. They have Hughes on the blue line. He is that fantastic potential Norris Trophy winning defenseman for them. And Demko is clearly going to be the starter. So now it's about filling out the rest of the roster with guys that you think you can win with. And and I think Schmidt is a great get. Just think of it this way. If, if, the, if the Vegas Golden Knights weren't acquiring Petrangelo, Schmidt's not on the market. You don't get Schmidt for a third-round draft pick in any other scenario. So when I see comments online of, well, why didn't the Canucks try to take advantage of this situation? They did. A third-rounder for Schmidt? If Vegas had made that deal at the deadline, people would have gone insane. But because Petrangelo was coming in, 
That's the deal you can make. So, you know, obviously Vegas isn't taking back a bad contract. They can't. They still don't have cap space even with this move, but it means that they don't have to worry so much about it. I just, I find, um, I don't know, I find the whole thing weird, and I know that um, what I see on Twitter isn't necessarily the reaction elsewhere. It's just, it's what I see, and of course in the comment section on YouTube and all that, and uh, that, that reaction probably skews younger for the most part. Because again, Nate Schmidt's the kind of defenseman that I think the Canucks have needed for a long time, and and they haven't had, and and those kinds of defensemen do not often come up as available for trade. Now, if they add Vatnin, if they add Hamannik, one or the other, that blue line looks pretty solid. That to me is is a sizable upgrade from last year, um, just on that basis alone. But that's the beauty; we won't know until we hit next season, and who knows when that'll be? It could be a while. All right, that's my feelings on that. Thank you guys for all your support and all that wonderful stuff. I'm watching San Diego melt down against uh, New Orleans, but I feel bad for for Herbert because Herbert, um, he keeps going up against future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's not really fair to him because Herbert is a really good quarterback, but yeah, the defense for either the defense for for, for LA or just the, the quarterbacks are against her too good or, or their defense is that bad. I think it's both. They were playing prevent defense against New Orleans when they had a lead 27 to 20. And I was like, okay, so if you're not going to try, poor rookie quarterback. Anyways, there's a little bonus NFL for you. Uh, thanks, guys, for all your support. If you're a Canuck fan, just relax. There's a lot of time left in the offseason. There's a lot of moves that are going to get made. I don't think the Canucks and, and Benning are done. I'm going to guess there's at least one free agent signing to come and at least one or two trades to come. And then we'll have some idea for what their plan is for next year. Uh, I like it. I do. I think I think they're they're on the right track. But hey, you know, uh, it, it's been a long time since they were on the right track. And as fans, we are sort of geared towards the idea that it's going to fall apart. And so we look for when. That's as we do that early. All right. Talk to you guys again soon.